Ah, here we go again. Another compliance training. Welcome, and thank you for joining me today to talk about <sighs> fiscal He's compliance so in the new year. Hey everybody, this is Josh Risser, and this podcast is still pretty young, so in case we haven't yet met, I'm a former corporate trainer who is now a professional voice talent. Thank you for joining me today for episode two of the DIY Narrator podcast. I'm on a quest to help you improve your learner's engagement through more effective e-learning narrations when you can't hire a professional narrator like myself. So I am stunned by the reaction to the last episode. Five tips for more engaging e-learning narrations. Thank you. Thanks everyone out there who listened in and shared it. I really had like a surprisingly good response. And thank you so much for the awesome feedback I received from so many of you. Uh, Like I mentioned on that episode, it's really motivating to hear great feedback. And I got some questions this time. And it really lets me know that you're getting value out of this little project. And that's what it's all about for me. Hopefully you can take one small thing away from each episode. If you haven't heard episode one yet, um, what are you waiting for? Get with it. You're like the only person that hasn't heard it yet. So it's over at DIYNarrator.com slash 001. This week, I'm going to get into one of those areas of narration that people seem to just plain ignore, your room. Fixing your room really isn't that hard, and it's totally not optional, at least not if you want good quality audio. Your room is the most important part of the audio quality, hands down, no question about it. More important than the microphone, more important than the timbre of your voice, more important than anything else. Just think about this for a second. How much do you spend on assets and time for your e-learning projects? Illustrated graphics, images, maybe audio clips. You spend so much time making sure the animations and transitions are just so and the text displayed on each slide is thoroughly proofread and edited and rewritten dozens of times. If you put that much effort into the visual assets, why would you do all of that work and then throw an echoey narration on top of it? It's like making an ice cream sundae and then topping it with a rock instead of a cherry. Even if you don't like cherries, you probably get that analogy. Now, you don't have to drop thousands of dollars on acoustic panels and foam to improve the sound of your room. You can do it with some basics, some of which you might already have on the house, or by using one special place in your house that you most likely already have. But it's a super secret location, so you'll have to wait and I'll let you know where it is later on in the episode. First thing, I want to be very clear about this. What we're talking about here isn't necessarily soundproofing. We're talking about sound treatment, which I think still falls under the broader category of soundproofing. But the two terms, soundproofing and sound treatment, get used interchangeably all the time, but they are not interchangeable terms. And another disclaimer before I get into this bit, I'm definitely not a studio master ninja or an expert in the science and art of building a studio or soundproofing or even the science behind audio and sound waves. I know enough to make sure that my stuff sounds good and I think I can help you make sure your stuff sounds good. So I'm going to describe this stuff in pretty basic terms 
because we don't need to be experts. We just need our voices to sound pretty good and keep things affordable. And that only takes a basic understanding of a few things. So that out of the way, back to it. To soundproof something is to prevent sound from outside sources from leaking into your recording space, or in some cases, prevent sound from getting out of the recording space. In our case, it'd be so you can't hear your dishwasher running or the air conditioner running in the background like you could in my very first e-learning voiceover when I was a trainer. To do this effectively, it takes a bigger investment than you'll probably be interested in. On a smaller level, you can get like a vocal booth that does a pretty good job of it. I built the one I'm recording in now for just under $1,000 with stuff from Home Depot. It's essentially a little 4x4 room within a room inside of my office. But commercial ones start at like a few thousand and go up from there, plus shipping. That's soundproofing, keeping sound out. Sound treatment is an entirely different intention. The intent of treating a room is to remove unwanted echo, or what's referred to as reflections, and prevent it from getting back into your microphone. So to get the picture in your head, think of your recording space as a small, like, kiddie pool in your backyard, and it's filled with water, and your audio source is a pebble that you drop into the middle of your pool. What happens when that pebble hits the water? Ripples. Exactly. Ripples take off in all directions from the point of entry of your pebble, and when they hit the sides of the pool, they turn around and start going the other way. And some dissipate before they get back to the place where the pebble hit, but in the case of sound waves, at some frequencies, they might bounce around a few times and pass the mic more than once. The sound bouncing around is why a bathroom sounds the way it does, and why a huge cathedral sounds like it does, and why they sound different. And it's also why your voice sounds so great when you sing in the shower. A little touch of reverb really does make a voice sound nice. But don't use reverb in your e-learning narrations, please. That's what we're talking about avoiding here. To treat a room, we need ways to prevent the sound from bouncing around. And a hard surface will be very reflective. Unfortunately, most walls in a house are sheetrock and painted and they're very hard. And they're very reflective. But a soft surface slows the transmission of the sound wave a little bit. Like the inside of my booth is actually 4-inch sound insulation. So it's some thick stuff made by a company called Roxel. It's made to slow the sound waves down and wear them out so they can't bounce back into the microphone. So now that we have the difference between soundproofing and audio treatment kind of cleared up, we can get on with it. And it's time for a demonstration. I wanted to demonstrate the importance of your room in your narrations, and I wanted you to hear it. And to do that, I recorded a short paragraph in two different places. One in my voiceover booth, and one in the control room outside of my booth, or the office, I guess. it's <laughs> The fancy name would be control room. Uh, I was going to record one in a bathroom too, but my little mobile microphone stand literally fell apart when I went to move it again, and I'm not putting my mic back on that thing. Not, it's not happening. So in talking with people, I've kind of realized that some people might not be able to hear the echo in their room. And maybe it's because they don't know what they're listening for. So I'm hoping this little A-B test helps you hear the difference if you have a hard time understanding what the echo actually sounds like. Then we can talk about correcting it. So first, I'm going to play this recording completely unedited from my voiceover booth. 
This how-to video is designed to teach you how to draw a basic area using Apex. In future videos, we'll show you how to use the more advanced features of Apex that will help you get around those special or odd circumstances. For now, let's stick to the basics. Alright, so you can hear there's not really much echo going on in there, at least I hope that's what you hear. There's also minimal background noise, the space isn't lively, so it's what people typically refer to as a dead space. And basically that means there's no noticeable echo. My booth is a space that is both acoustically treated with that 4-inch insulation, like I said, and for the most part it's pretty soundproof. And then next, the office. This how-to video is designed to teach you how to draw a basic area using Apex. In future videos, we'll show you how to use more advanced features of Apex that will help you get around those special or odd circumstances. For now, let's stick to the basics. Alright, so that space is right outside of my booth and has a few leftover acoustic panels that I built a while ago in one corner of the room, but my voiceover booth is in there and mostly it's nothing but a big hard box. The I've got a window in there, I've got the walls and ceilings, like most rooms, um, so that's bouncing around. There's, it's not really treated at all, it's noticeably echoey, and it's certainly not good enough for like a high quality narration. I also left my air conditioner running so you could get the true experience of a bad sounding narration. But the thing is, it's very fixable, and I fixed it with a solution that I'm going to tell you about in a second. So let's talk a little bit about the intention of what we want to do when we try to implement a fix. Basically, we have to prevent those ripples from coming back to our mic like we talked earlier. And it involves creating an environment that essentially knocks the energy out of the sound waves before they can reflect off of a surface. Either you just wait for that to happen naturally over time through a process called decay where the sound waves just run out of steam on their own, or you put stuff in the room to absorb the waves and slow them down. In our case, we're going to worry about absorption, because that's really like the low-hanging fruit in this scenario. And there's two materials we're going to talk about, foam and fabric. The first solution I want to talk about is, I think, the first one that a lot of people use. It's a box with some foam in it. I've seen a lot of people out there using like banker's boxes or some other box with some foam lining the inside and you put the mic into the box and it's meant to keep the echo from getting back into the mic. And in theory it actually makes a lot of sense. But the problem is that sound waves really aren't linear. Think again about the ripples in the pond. They go out in a concentric circle. The sound's going to leave your mouth and the sound waves will go out in, in a circle and bounce all around the room. And some will bounce out of the corners from behind you and come back in and get into the box. And the problem with the box is that it has a big old hole in the front of it, which just so happens to be on the same side that you dress the mic from. So the exposed part of the microphone at the hole is the most sensitive to echo from the rest of the room. So even though the mic is surrounded on most sides, it's still going to get a serious amount of echo from the front of that box. You can use your body as a bit of a sound absorber, but that'll involve you getting right up onto the mic, which honestly, you probably should be up there anyway. But the logistics of it is kind of weird. If We'll talk about proper mic technique in another episode, but you need to be about 7 to 10 inches or 18 to 22 centimeters away from the mic if you're properly addressing it. And that's kind of like if you do the the hang loose sign with your hands. That's the the general uh, distance you need to be away from your mic is the distance from your pinky to your thumb. 
So now picture this, your mic is in a box and you're leaning forward to get that seven to 10 inches away. So you get your face right up on that mic and now your head is kind of in that box and how are you gonna see the script? Yeah, so it's a little weird. And then depending on the size of the box, you might be able to get an iPad in there, hold your phone up in front of you. And there are other commercial solutions out there that have room for an iPad or a spot you can hang your script. Uh, I'll link to them in the show notes just so you can check them out. One's called the Porta Booth, and it's over at voiceoveressentials.com, and I hear, I hear pretty good things about it. And the other one is called the Carry On Vocal Booth. It's at vocalboothtogo.com, and they're a small investment. I mean, I think they run up to a few hundred bucks. I've honestly never used either of those solutions. I can't really endorse them myself, but I've heard pretty good things from the people who have used them. And if you go to YouTube and search for reviews on them, there's some people in the voiceover community that actually have... Uh, put together a little review for you. Next is actually my favorite solution, and it's in fact the one I recorded in for a couple of years until I saved enough money to actually build my own booth. And I even recorded my first national commercial from it, so it actually does a pretty killer job, and it's pretty cheap. You can take some PVC pipe and elbow joints and build yourself a frame big enough that you can fit inside of it. Mine was about seven feet tall and about five foot square. And then you attach some moving blankets to it on the outside using some cheap clamps. It cost less than 50 bucks, I think, and I was using pipe from Home Depot and some moving blankets and clamps from Harbor Freight if you're in the U.S. I'm sure there's something similar in most places outside of the U.S. One thing I would recommend, at minimum, use inch and a half PVC. You might want to bump up even to the 2-inch PVC because it can get a little flimsy. So watch out for that. You don't want it collapsing on you. The cool thing about these, if you record videos too, the PVC frame idea can actually do double duty. You just don't build a box. You build a single freestanding wall, essentially, and you can repurpose the frames to drape a background or a green screen or something else on it. And for audio recording, you can put your blankets on there and... You might want to build at least three of them so you can enclose yourself in a little triangle, get inside of the triangle. At the very least, I'd suggest maybe one in front of you, like behind the mic, and then one on each side. You'll still catch some echo off the ceiling and behind you, but if they're in a triangle, you can probably throw another blanket on top of them. That'll keep you really well enclosed. Now you can also use the same concept and get creative if you can't do the PVC booth thing. Uh, remember when you were a kid? And you used to make pillow forts using pillows and couch cushions. You drape a big old blanket on top of them. I bet you didn't realize you were actually preparing for your future as a DIY narrator. You can use that same concept to create a pretty nice temporary booth. If you have a heavy blanket or comforter, you can drape it over some sort of frame. And it's time to get creative here. But uh, an ironing board actually works pretty well. Those couch cushions that we talked about are something big enough to leave you room for your tablet or your phone to get in there with you and you record in there. And that's a pretty reasonable solution if you don't have to record all the time or you can't get away with a big PVC booth in your home or office. Finally, and I should put like a drum roll sound effect here, this is the moment you've been waiting for, the super secret location. And it's actually pretty simple and a little obvious once you actually know about it. The secret location that's already in your house is your closet. You can open up your closet door, push aside some clothing, get your mic between your shirts, and record right in there. And you'd be really surprised if you knew how many voiceover talent actually record in a closet, a walk-in, or smaller. 
It's the quickest and easiest way to knock down the echo and get a really nice recording. In fact, I've heard stories of people just repurposing a walk-in closet in their house as a voice booth, and guess how they treated it? Hanging moving blankets from the existing rods in there. It's kind of crazy they could have just left their clothes, honestly. You can also use like a coat closet or something similar. Just make sure the materials around your mic allow air to pass through them. So cotton and some synthetics. If you have like a windbreaker or a winter coat meant to actually stop the air from passing through, there's a good chance that that fabric is going to be reflective. So you'll get some echo off of it. And sometimes it'll be really weird and out of phase, we call it. Don't worry about what that means. All right. That's all for episode two of the DIY Narrator. And I hope you stuck around this long. It feels weird talking about these concepts on a podcast, but I want to have a quick discussion on echo. I know some of you logistically might not be able to actually address these problems, but it's nice to have it in your head, know what you're up against, and have an idea of some solutions. If you have a clever room treatment idea of your own, please send it over to host at DIYNarrator.com. I'd love to see pictures, hear a sample of your recording, and I'll gladly share it with the other listeners if you're cool with that. There are other environmental factors that you do have to worry about too, like background noise and stuff like that, but it's pretty obvious that you just have to do what you have to do with the noise. You can't necessarily shut off other office workers, but maybe you can shut off the AC if you're at home, in a home office, or unplug the fridge, or record later on at night or earlier in the morning, before everyone gets in or after the kids have gone to bed. Just remember to turn the AC or fridge back on. Uh, you don't want to make that mistake. Speaking of background noise, I have a video coming up showing you how easy it is to remove some background noise. It has to be steady background noise using Audacity. So watch out for that. To watch out for that, make sure you've subscribed to the newsletter at DIYNarrator.com. If you've only subscribed to the podcast, you're not going to get that notification or notifications of other videos, which I actually got a really great question on LinkedIn about speeding up your editing. And I made a quick video for that. So there's two videos coming at you. Don't forget to subscribe over at DIYNarrator.com. Get your email in the box. Thank you so much for taking the time to join me for episode two. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. I'm over on iTunes, Google Play, or you can go to DIYNarrator.com slash subscribe to subscribe in whatever podcatcher you use. Now remember, price of admission is just a share. So if you feel like you've got some value out of the episode, please share it with a friend or a colleague. Drop a link in your favorite social network. Uh, go ahead and tag me. I'm happy to, to jump into the conversation around it too. And been talking to a lot of people on LinkedIn. So you know, tag me up on there, go ahead and connect and just be sure to tell someone about it. If you think it's been valuable, show notes are over at diynarrator.com slash zero zero two. Got some links to those things I mentioned, and maybe I'll try to dig up some pictures of my old booths. If I've got some laying around, I might thank you again for all of the shares and taking the time to listen in. I really appreciate the support that's already building in the community. Seriously, you guys are awesome. And thank you for taking this journey with me. Get out there and do great work.